This is Brent with Brent. I am so pleased to be joined today by uh, Wimpy. Wimpy, um, or Martin Wimpress, as others may know him. Uh, how are you, Wimpy? I'm very well. Thank you for inviting me on. Oh, thanks so much for being here. I, Like I said, it's it's such a treat for me, and we'll get into more of that uh, as to why it's a treat for me. But um, could you give us a little bit of a taste of who you are, where you are, where you put your time? Sure. Uh, my name's Martin Wimpress, otherwise known as Wimpy. I'm a hopeless desktop Linux romantic. In my spare time, I work on the Mate desktop and Ubuntu Mate. Uh, and professionally, I now work at Canonical and I'm on the desktop team there and more recently the WSL team at Canonical. So quite a few hats, it sounds like. Yeah, it's all it's all fairly similar in sort of, you know, what what I'm interested in, which is, you know, desktop Linux and most of all, making things with software. Making things and tinkering with software, I would imagine, comes with that as well, right? Yeah, tinkering with software, and um, you know, when I when I really get some time to myself, then tinkering with some software and some hardware. That's um, that's what I enjoy. Although not sort of the more maker orientated hardware tinkering, which is more commonplace today. I like to do um, sort of um, device enablement type. Um, hardware hacking, you know, making computers run Ubuntu Mate or Ubuntu or Linux, stuff like that. I imagine the the GPD Pocket uh, is a two um, is a recent project of yours that you've been that fits that sort of description. Yeah, all the GPDs actually. Okay, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an interest there. Yeah. So um, and you know, I can't take a huge amount of credit for that really. Um, uh, it's basically reusing a lot of the work that was done in the community when the original GPD pocket was crowdfunded. And I think it's fair to say that um, GPD provided Ubuntu image was a little bit um, lacking, let's say. And the community stepped up and did a whole bunch of work there um, to improve that, uh, including contributions from the likes of Hans de Goad at Red Hat, who made a whole bunch of kernel patches that improved the support. And when that initial community sort of interest ebbed away, I decided to pick it up and try and preserve that. And as a result, Ubuntu Mate's kind of become the de facto operating system for the for the GPD computers, or the de facto Linux operating system for the GPD computers. Which is such a gift to the community right back, right? You benefited and then gave right back. I would imagine that's one of the real strengths of the open source community, right? We seem to just get behind a project and, and a bunch of people donate their time, typically, uh, to work and make something great that uh, lots of people enjoy. And I would imagine that's how you feel about Ubuntu Mate. It's a bit of a gift in some ways, the, the time you're giving and also that many others can benefit from the work you've done yeah definitely so you know I, I think it's well documented that ubuntu mate started as a project to sort of serve my family primarily and it's it it's grown beyond there when you look at things like the gpd and what the community created there and the support that they added it's a great example of open source and why innovative, creative people are drawn to open source because I like to make things with software. So open source is attractive to me 
from that point of view because there is so much software out there that I can use and adapt and integrate with. I just find that like um you know a, a palette of 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 artists brushes and colors and mm. you know different paint styles you know it, oh, that's creating so nice. software is you know a, is a creative outlet for me now um and that's why open source speaks to me more than anything else and you know there's lots of advantages to the licenses and lots of people talk about you know freedoms and all of that sort of thing but for me it's about innovation and creativity which I imagine you see on a daily basis um, in your current uh, position at Canonical, right? Yeah, I mean, th- there are a lot of very smart people at Canonical, um, extremely talented software developers who have been, um, particularly when I'm looking at the desktop team, who have been contributing to free software and particularly GNOME for decades. You know, some of the... Yeah. Some of the standout individuals who've contributed to GNOME over the years, you know, work at Canonical. Um, and uh, it's a bit awe-inspiring sometimes. And, uh, you know, you <laughs> do get, you know, the classic sort of, you know, imposter syndrome because they are more talented engineers than I will ever aspire to be, I, just, <laughs> right. I, I imagine. Uh, and it's great to be working with them. You mentioned that open source has just kind of grabbed you and you and, and won't let you go um have you have you had the non-open source experience previously because i know a lot of people have have had you know um, some experience with non-open source uh, in terms of development and and uh, creation and, and that kind of stuff more so than just usage but um have you had that experience before or did you just come to open source um sort of naturally well, I came to open source when I learned about, well, not so much open source, Linux, I suppose. I came to Linux when I learned about it. Um, but yes, I mean, throughout my career in the early stuff, in early parts of my career, it was all proprietary software. I was working for, um, large software vendors that were making, you know, retail systems. It was developed using proprietary software and languages and it was a proprietary solution that we were selling to our customers and for many years i was a windows enterprise architect um you know looking after thousands of um domains you know into into integrated active domain forests you know across a large organization so yes i've worked with you know a lot of proprietary stuff over the years so you know the contrast between you know one side and the other and the different philosophies that go into it and yeah but even at that time i was using linux at home i've been using linux for you know a long time so but that was fulfilling my sort of you know in you know interests at home um, and certainly when I first started using Linux, I don't think I saw it as anything other than a uh, free um, alternative to something like SCO Unix, which is what I was seeking, you know, at that time. I didn't imagine for a moment that it would become this, uh, you know, dominant player in, in the industry that it is today. Uh, but I'm glad it is because, you know, my hobby has transformed into my profession over the years and I couldn't be happier about that. Yeah, that must feel like such a treat that you could turn something you're really passionate about into your sort of every day, right? Um, you were saying, you and I connected earlier um, on the phone a few days ago and one thing that really stuck out to me was you mentioned how lucky you are to work with such amazing people Um every single day and i imagine that's a real treat for you 
Yes, it is. And, you know, I've said the sort of, you know, the, the high regard I have for my immediate colleagues and also everyone else that I've, I've had a working relationship with at Canonical. But it goes beyond that. You look at people in the community that are contributing at a very high level. Um, you know, that we've got contributors in the Ubuntu community and in the Snapcraft community who are making, um, significant, well-reasoned contributions to those projects. You know, they have, deep insight and understanding of the objectives of what we're setting out to do and are able to, you know, make real significant contributions that actually push the projects forward. And that's inspiring as well. Uh, and again, you only find that kind of contribution it through open source because of the nature of the licenses and also the nature of the communities around those technologies that will, you know, encourage and embrace that that kind of interaction. There's something about every single um, brunch that I've done with anyone, as you know, um, it always comes back to community and the strength of the community and how powerful that is as a lure to just keep us involved and keep us um, inspired, I guess. Um, and so there's this theme that I keep seeing over and over and over. And so I, I just keep mentioning, and I'm sure you can back this up. Like if, if anyone wants to feel all fuzzy inside, get connected with your community. Um, it seems like the Linux community, you know, we have a bunch of niches within it, of course, but it's such a powerful emotional connection that happens both on, you know, the internet side of things where you're separated, um, you know, while well, you and I right now are separated, mm -hmm. you know, from huge distances, right? I'm in Canada, you're in the UK. Um, and yet, you know, we get to meet each other at conferences and things like that. Like you and I met first at Linux Fest Northwest um, yep. this past spring, which is a real treat and many memories from that, that's for sure. Um, but it feels like, you know, all of us are contributing in such a lovely way in our own strengths. Like I don't contribute, um, with creativity and software, but perhaps I do through some of these discussions that I'm sharing with the community, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it feels like such a neat sort of juxtaposition of everyone's different interests and um, qualities and strengths that create this huge ecosystem of um, what feels like a really inspiring environment. Communities certainly are a powerful force and can be a great enabler. They've changed over the years. And you talked about the fact that we were fortunate enough to meet each other earlier in the year. When I started out on, well, not even when I started out, but sometime into my Linux journey, I discovered there was this thing called Linux user groups. And I was right. astonished to learn there are other people that shared my interests that would meet up on a Sunday <laughs> and just talk about Linux. And this was fabulous for me. I mean, I couldn't have been happier when I discovered that was a thing. How did you discover that first one? How did I discover it? I don't even know how I found out that it was, that it was happening, but there was one unusually there was one that was happening in my hometown which was not somewhere that usually had them and it was literally around the corner so i went one sunday for the very first time and just found all of these people that shared the interest with the same interests that i had and i immediately felt at home 
And I used to love going to um, to those lugs. And in fact, I got one of my jobs through, you know, being known within within that lug. Wow. So, you know, that was, you know, really um, powerful movement. But then lugs kind of died out. And then there was sort of this wilderness years of being a bit sort of isolated and, you know, a, a digital nomad you know, wandering around the internet, interacting with communities just online. And you can be effective, and that's great and everything, but I, re- if you're able to connect with the communities that you're talking to online in person, it makes those bonds just so much stronger. So, you know, I've been lucky just recently. I've, I've been to UbuCon, which was in Portugal this year, or Ubicon Europe, rather, which was in Portugal this year. And last week, I was at Og Camp in Manchester. And that's a way for me to reconnect with, you know, my communities, my my circle of friends, um, the people that share the same interests with me, uh, and establish, re- re-establish connections with old friends and create, you know, new connections with new friends. Um, and I find that very powerful. And each year I go back to those events, I'm drawn to them more than the previous year because there's more people there that I'm looking forward to meeting again because I haven't seen them for a year. And I love that, you know, you can do stuff online, but but you can really cement those relationships and and the collaborative nature by meeting people in person. So if you're able to uh, go to an event where other people in the communities that you're revolving around are at, I would really recommend that you try and do that. I agree completely. I would say, you know, my first experience with a, I'll call it a lug, but I think I came into the Linux community after that sort of nomad years you were, you were talking about. So for me, the first lug felt like Linux unplugged, um, of which you are a guest quite often. Um, I feel like that's a huge community service and uh, I feel much closer to a lot of people. And and that same sense that you just described, which is um, that I felt surrounded by people who understood me simply as I am and whom I can connect with very easily. Indeed. Um, And so my first in-person experience was in Linux Fest Northwest two years ago, and that transformed I would say that transformed my life in many ways. Mm. Um, it took me from feeling that same isolation that you were mentioning um, with being interested in Linux and open source and those communities, but having hardly met anyone who uses it. I literally did a an internet search here um, in my hometown to try to find anyone who even mentions the word Linux um, and had a very hard time finding anybody. Uh, which was sort of depressing. Yeah. Thankfully, a month or so later, I I thought, oh, maybe I need to travel for this. So Linux Fest Northwest for me was um, a huge game changer. And it sounds like for you going to those um, conferences, and I know you do a lot of sprints with Canonical internally, um, just kind of keeps you on that high, right? To keep being inspired and keep mm-hmm. collaborating and and just that strength in me meeting people firsthand is there's nothing like it for sure i've had this conversation with chris i imagine everyone who's listening to this is aware who chris fisher is and (laughs) who jupiter broadcasting is and what linux unplugged is 
But several times over the years, I have said to Chris, you know, that finding um, Jupiter Broadcasting, and in particular Linux Unplugged, was one of those pivotal moments for me. And it turned out to be pivotal um, professionally as well. Because when Linux Unplugged started, there were people that were contributing to Linux Unplugged who I knew, or once knew, people from those lugs that I'd been going to in the really? past. No way. Who I hadn't connected to in years. And principally, that was Alan Pope. And I was listening to him every week on the Ubuntu podcast and on Linux <laughs> Unplugged. And Linux Unplugged was kind of, in the early days, it wasn't quite clear what it was. It was like a right to reply sort of correction show. And then it morphed into sort of this online virtual lug. And after a few months of listening to this, I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a go at this because the, quite often I would be driving along listening to it, shouting at the podcast because everyone was wrong. <laughs> and, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, being somewhat arrogant, thought, you know, I knew better and, uh, you know, I could set the record straight. So I think it was twenty, the January 2014, my New Year's resolution is that I was going to you know, start participating, uh, no way. <laughs> in, uh, yeah, in, um, in, in Linux unplugged. Um, and a whole bunch of things happened as a result of that, you know, um, because I became somewhat familiar with podcasting, it, you know, not very, because obviously I wasn't doing very much other than talking, but it reconnected me with Alan and that then meant that Alan invited me for an interview on the Ubuntu podcast. Right. And that interview, um, the off chat afterwards, was actually where Ubuntu Mate started. And he kick-started that project. And then, you know, we ended up meeting, you know, in his kitchen one, one day in order to wow. kick the project off. So, you know, it's interesting how those things, you know, those connections happened and that was the outcome. So had I not got involved in Linux Unplugged, you know, Ubuntu Mate may never have been a thing. And consequently, I may not be working at Canonical today as a result. <laughs> so, you know, it's had quite a profound impact on my on my life one way or the other. Wow. I had no idea of that history. And I was, I wanted to dig into it and it just kind of spilled out here. And it's amazing. I had no idea that all of those links um, were present there between all of the projects you're currently working on. And it sounds like... You know, that's stuff you just can't predict, right? Um, you just connect to something like Linux Unplugged one night and give it a try, and then six months later, it's a whole other thing. Um, it's taking you somewhere you could never even imagine. Like when you set that New Year's resolution, did you have any idea any of that was going to happen? No. I mean, um, the real reason was I recognized that this was a group of people that I wanted to have a conversation with every week because they were talking about the things I was interested in and this was a way of me um, meeting people in person, you know, but not, you know, via the internet, you know, via an audio conference, effectively, which was the closest you could get to meeting people in person without actually flying, you know, to the other side of the world, or in my case, driving down to the south coast where most of the lugs, you know, used to meet up. So it was really that. But then I'd start. I'd been involved in the Mate desktop project for a while, um, and I was looking to expand my role there. 
And so I decided, oh, you know, I, I will be their community manager, not knowing what a community manager was at all, but I decided that's what I was going to do. <laughs> and, you know, I'd heard other people from other projects go on LUP and give updates from time to time about what they were working on. And I thought, I can do that. You know, that, how, how, how tricky is that? So that's what I decided to do was go go on Linux Unplugged and just join in the discussion and every so often uh, update people about what was going on with, with Mate Desktop because Ubuntu Mate didn't exist, of course, at that point. Um, and you can hear the absolute terror in my voice in, in the very first <laughs> <laughs> interview I did on Linux Unplugged about the Mate Desktop. Uh, the first couple of minutes were very stilted. Um, and then fortunately I, I eased up a little bit. Um, but yeah, it doesn't sound, doesn't sound like me when I listen back to it now. It's, it was a very different, very different person back then. And that also touched on the connection with Popey as well. Um, whom it sounds like you guys are kind of a tag team duo now going to a bunch of conferences and sprints and, and things like that. Um, tell me a little bit about how your relationship is now because you had met before and then you reconnected on ubuntu podcast sorry not ubuntu podcast but uh, we'll get there <laughs> uh, but on linux unplugged right and now it seems like you each spend a lot of time together and kind of poke fun at each other regularly too which i enjoy yes uh we probably spend too much time together but um uh, i i hope it's true <laughs> but i enjoy alan's company i hope he enjoys mine and he's not just putting up with me <laughs> but um We've we've worked together uh, on the same team for about two and a half years now. So um, we've both been developer advocates for Snapcraft. Alan often jokes that we come as a pair, you know, when when they need somebody from uh, the advocacy team to, you know, go to a customer or a client or what have you, or a conference. Uh, the two of us are usually uh, out there as a pair, you know, running workshops together and uh, doing presentations and what have you. Um, and then, of course, you know, we've got the company Sprint. So, yeah, we it's weird that we're we're actually physically, you know, geographically very close to one another just minutes away in a car. We never see each other <laughs> locally. We only ever see each other when we've, we've traveled, you know, halfway around the world. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, even, even just recently at Og Camp, um, that was in Manchester and we did meet at my local station, but you know, we were traveling to the North of England on the train. Um, you know, but yeah, we never spend time together in our own backyard. That's very, very funny to me, but it sounds like, you know, it must be a huge, so I'm a twin, so I can just imagine how much of a treat it is to see a familiar face in all those places all around the world. I know you've been traveling a heck of a lot these last few months, right? And uh, having some familiar faces must be a nice thing. It's like a little taste of home in some sense. Yeah, it is. So I didn't know you were a twin. Um, we, <laughs> Alan and I have been called Tweedledum and Tweedledee before now because when we've got our Ubuntu <laughs> orange shirts on and we're stood next to each other, we're kind of indistinguishable. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, I will sort of admit that um, the first, uh, one of the first um, experiences that I remember on Linux Unplugged where you were both there um as a North American, I had a hard time distinguishing between who was speaking um, because I hadn't quite spent enough time with your voices yet at that point. And I was like, "These, I know these are two different people, but I can't set straight in my own mind which one's which. Of course, that's changed now that we've met in person and, and we've spent a lot more time 
um, I guess, on air, uh, sharing ideas. And I've got to know each of you more so personally, but um, it just it reinforces to me how you're both kind of a tag team, it seems. Yeah, it's that's an interesting one. I I think our voices are very distinctive, but... I agree now, for sure, I agree. Yeah, but we get this a lot where people can't separate us on a podcast very easily, particularly if they're new to a podcast. Um, and quite often, if you're looking at the IRC channel and people are asking follow-up questions, I will have just been talking about something and they'll be asking Popey if he could just repeat what he said or <laughs> vice versa. So, yeah, <laughs> we get funny. that all the time. Um, but I think that's that's listening to podcasts, though. I mean, I can remember when I started listening to Tuck's Radar, which um, was, you know, Graham Morrison and Ben Everard and, and Andrew and all the rest of it from from uh, they were the were they Linux magazine or something? Anyway, they became um, Linux voice eventually. Those were four British voices that were all distinctive, but I'd never met any of them and i'd never seen photographs of them and i hadn't bothered to go and look and i really struggled unpicking their voices and i really shouldn't have done because they are accents from very different parts of the uk but even i struggled you know having you know just just taking this information in um orally um really struggled to uh to pick their their voices apart and identify who was who and who was talking so it's not just me is what you're saying you're trying to make me feel better <laughs> well not just you i think i think any anyone listening to a podcast and you've got no context as to who the it's people true. are and what they look like mm -hmm. and that sort of thing i think it's difficult to uh to to, to pick them apart it feels also like in my own mind i'm in real time sort of drawing a picture of who I think this person is. Mm -hmm. And so if you're new, like the podcast you're describing, if you're newly listening to it, you haven't really developed a model of who each of those people are. Um, so, so it's then difficult, I find for my own mind to, to distinguish between those personalities, especially when I've met them, you know, in brackets, met them, um, at the same time. Yeah, I find that difficult as well, because then I'm associating these two personalities with the exact same moment, and the and therefore the voices are the only thing you have to go on, right? And a little bit of information you may have heard in that first episode or, or whatever. So I feel like a little bit of time in the seat, and if you can meet them in person, that really helps to you. Yeah, uh, and you know, I think if I, I don't think I've listened, started listening to a new podcast, or certainly not a podcast where I don't know who the majority of the people are who are on it. That sounds a bit... Really? Uh, <laughs> that sounds a bit terrible, doesn't it? Well, I think maybe it just has to... has It just leads to saying, you know, how large and small the Linux community might mm. be. Like, uh, I'm not I'm not necessarily assuming you only listen to Linux-related content. But, oh, I uh, do. <laughs> well, <there>. okay. <laughs> when it, come, when it but, comes to podcasting, that is the only stuff that I listen to on podcasts. My, my YouTube watching, however, is quite varied. Um, tell me a little bit about, maybe that's a nice segue into the Ubuntu podcast. Um, I know now, you know, you started with a Popey inviting you to do an interview there, but now you're spending a little bit more time there, aren't you? Yeah, I think this is my fourth year. Four, yeah, yeah, I think this is my fourth year on the Ubuntu podcast. And again, that um, was a catalyst from having been on Linux Unplugged. 
So I think I'd been doing Linux Unplugged for just about a year, maybe just over a year. And therefore I'd spoken to Popey numerous occasions, um, you know, on Linux Unplugged. And they were starting a new season. And I think they'd recorded the first two episodes or maybe the second and third episode. And there had been some kind of catastrophic audio fail and they had lost two episodes. Oh no. And their third host was then on holiday. So they'd recorded and gone on holiday the following day. <laughs> so I got a message. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah. So I got a message from Popey who basically said, um, any chance you could join us on the Ubuntu podcast, to record an episode uh, tomorrow night. And I was like, yeah, I suppose so. Why not? So by this time I was already working. I think I'd been working on Ubuntu Mate for nine months or so by that time. So it was like, right, brilliant. Um, we'll, we'll get you on and you can give us an update on, you know, what you've been doing in Ubuntu Mate since we last spoke to you. Or, you know, in fact, you know, Ubuntu Mate had come about. And when I spoke to them before, I was only working on Mate desktop. So I kind of got, you know, drafted in. So I recorded those couple of episodes with them and that was terrific. And I was like, I really quite enjoyed that. And then two weeks later, he said, hey, um, Laura's still on holiday. I don't suppose you'd join us for another couple of episodes, would you? Mm, I was like, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. So uh, I thought, hmm, maybe this is the time I buy a better microphone. (laughs) So so I bought bought a better (laughs) microphone. And then I recorded another couple of episodes with them. And then the next one came round. And Popey said, oh, well, you may as well stick around now. You're not bad at this. So um, that was it. I've been I've been involved ever since. So, yeah. Uh, and I really enjoy that because, uh, obviously, I got to know Alan well through Linux Unplugged. We now have a working relationship. I've become great friends with Mark and Laura, who's sadly no longer on the show. Uh, and those Tuesday nights when we get together to record the podcast, it's just like having a chat with your mates down the pub. And I just like that whole, like going to a conference, like going to Og Camp or UbuCom, when you have one of those conversations in the hallway or over a pint about something, that's what recording the podcast feels like. You know, it's we don't script it. We just have some bullet points. We know what the topics are, and then we riff off one another. And I just like getting together with my mates on a Tuesday night too, to record our, our silly conversations <laughs> and share them with the world. <laughs> yeah. I try not to think about that bit too, <laughs> too much. I really focused on the having a chat with my mates part. <laughs> well, what I have really loved about the Ubuntu podcast is exactly what you mentioned. Like there's an authenticity and this just like camaraderie of just like just chatting about the topics but there's all these nuggets that come out of it and personality that comes out of it um that sometimes scripted content just can never attain right and i think that's the real beauty of those conversations um like the the first segment that you typically do in ubuntu podcast is sort of just a sort of just a personal update kind of thing and you were mentioning how the community seems to really grab onto that segment yeah we know that that particular segment is very popular Um, and I can appreciate why because the podcasts that I listen to I like to identify with the people that are on the podcasts and I like to feel like I've got to know them Um, you know it's a bit strange you know they 
as a listener to a podcast, you feel like you know the people that are presenting and you feel like they're your they're friends of yours, even though you've never met. And they don't necessarily know you exist either, right? Right. But I think that, you know, establishing that kind of relationship with your audience is important because really, um, when you think about the Linux podcasts, we're broadly talking about the same kinds of things. Um, and quite often, you know, some weeks we'll all be talking about the same stories. So if you're going to, you know, stand apart from, you know, everyone else, then you need to invest some of yourself, some of your personality into the podcast in order to, you know, make it something that people want to come and listen to. Uh, and I really enjoy those little two minute segments and they are, they're kind of the shortest bit of the show, but I'm sure they're among the most popular segments we do with the audience. It seems to me like putting it at the front, uh, is kind of the grab as well, right? If you, if you only got a few minutes and you're like, I don't know which podcast to listen to and you start, you start playing the Ubuntu podcast, then it just kind of sucks you in. And I know I've sat in my driveway after driving home from somewhere and just sort of sat there with the engine off listening to the rest of the episode just oh, trying to that's very kind <laughs> oh no it's great i and for that reason right like i feel like i know each of you and the content of course is of interest because i have an interest in general all things linux um but there's this personality and this familiarity and it's like i'm listening to a bunch of friends right um and that really I would imagine for you, well, you just said it for you is what keeps you doing it as mm. one of the content creators, but it also keeps us coming as the content absorbers, right? And um, there's such a richness in that, in having everyone feel that. I don't know. It's it, in some ways, that's what we're trying to do with Brunch with Brent. It was just a crazy idea. And now all of a sudden we're just trying to show personality of the people that you hear often in the Linux community, right? And you mentioned, actually I have a quote from you here because I was very, I was blushing when you mentioned it. You said, uh, I'm an avid listener of those who brunch with Brent. And I just felt like, <laughs> oh geez, that's such a treat to hear um, that that love is coming right back. So thank you for that. My pleasure. And so, yeah, I hope that the personality of people sort of comes out in these conversations and, and in some ways, maybe, maybe there's no way that doesn't happen since I typically don't talk about the technical side of things more so the sort of community and personality side of things and uh so i this for me as an experience is is such a treat and it feels like a little tiny way that i can give back to the community without necessarily you know being a developer or um a more technical know-how kind of way of giving back but there's hopefully some um, real value in this kind of stuff in connecting people, I think. Well, I'd, I'd like to think people would be interested in me wittering on about, you know, where, I, where I've <laughs> come from and, you know, how, <laughs> how I came to be in the position I'm in. Um, I, I think there is an appetite for that kind of content in order to better understand who people are in our industry and community. Because even if you just look at a couple of podcasts such as Bad Voltage and User Error, they do skirt around the sort of um, Linux and open source world, but that isn't the cut and thrust and drive of those podcasts. And I think a lot of people are tuning in really to listen to a group of friends having a conversation you know like they're you know 
bumped into each other in the hallway track or, you know, over over a pint in the pub. And I, I enjoy listening to those, even though um, there's no real... There is some technical content, but by and large, that isn't, that isn't the driver. Mm-hmm. What I find ends up happening is that when technical content does show up, um, there are all these insights from sort of behind the curtain that you don't necessarily get in the the typical media, right? Because the conversations are just so authentic and mm-hmm. unscripted. And so there's just some like discussions about ideas instead of the final product, which is, I find really, really fascinating for sure. Yeah, definitely. So tell me a little bit about, because uh, I know you have had a little bit of a hat change at Canonical recently. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that's feeling? Uh, I would imagine you're getting quite a bit of attention around it. Well, I suppose the first thing is is that um, it, it it was I was genuinely sad to hear that Will was leaving Canonical. Um, he is somebody else who I regard as a as a really good friend, and you know when we go on company sprints, uh, I'm pretty certain that I have been out with Will and a sort of a circle of friends every night that we've been you know uh, at Canonical sprints. So I'm going to miss Will. Um, and I'm already looking forward to whatever the social occasion is when we get to meet up again. And he will be, um, sorely missed, um, at Canonical. He was, he was well loved by, by all of the team. Um, but you know, I, when I learned that Will was leaving, I saw an opportunity to, um, to go back to my roots at Canonical, um, which is the desktop team. And I'm delighted to be a part of the Ubuntu desktop team again. Um, I couldn't be happier with that. And um, I shall continue to have a hand in uh, developer advocacy stuff that Alan and I and one of our colleagues, Igor, has been working on. Uh, More recently, we've been joined by Hayden Barnes, who is now leading our charge around um, developer advocacy for, for WSL. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm really delighted to be back on the desktop team. I'm really delighted to be, you know, leading the teams that I am uh, at Canonical. Very proud, in fact, of, of everyone that um, works on those teams. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, of everything I've heard of Will and um, almost everyone you're surrounded by there, it's like almost like a dream team of people you if if you were to design it, you couldn't design a better team of people who are just sort of working together to make it all happen. It sounds like a, a real opportunity for you to even just continue some of the great work that you've been doing and in just a little bit of a different light, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, when I was hired by Canonical, I, I was hired by Will uh, onto the desktop team. So, you know, that was where I started my career at Canonical. And I wasn't there for very long. As some of the as some of the guys on the desktop team have have, have loved to point it out point point out to me when we meet up at the sprints and things, I was like the shortest <laughs> lived person on the team or something, and they were quite bitter about about that. So uh so now I'm back, I told them they need to need to be careful what they wish for. <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs> oh, here I am again. Um <laughs> but um i've lost my train of thought now i'm just thinking about these stupid conversations <laughs> i've had with seb <laughs> he's been ribbing me about when i'm coming back to the desktop team <laughs> and i've i've paid that debt down in spades now so this is not just a prank right 
No, no, this is this is definitely for real. Um, I've I've seen it in writing and everything now, so yeah, I know it's happening. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm obviously delighted to be back on the desktop team, and you know my my passion project is obviously Ubuntu Mate. Desktop Linux is something that you know I'm hopelessly enthusiastic about. So one way or another, you know, I'm going to be drawn to something like this. And I am looking forward to representing, you know, Ubuntu again and not just, you know, my my little um, side project. I think that's um, a fabulous opportunity, particularly now. Um, somewhat daunting, you know, Will has uh, had a very strong strong uh leadership of the desktop team there and and guided it through some some challenging times and very successfully so so you know a uh, little bit daunted by by the road ahead but also relishing relishing the challenge yeah it sounds like you don't have a choice but to be enthused about the desktop right and and i would imagine that's why this is such a nice fit for you but I've, everything i've read about will um and everything i've read about how people are feeling about sort of the the change of hats is just all really positive in saying that Will has done some amazing things in his time there, and you're echoing that as well. Um, I think I was reading this on OMG Ubuntu. Joey was saying just how exciting it also is to have you in that spot. So um, kudos to to both of you for that. It sounds really like an exciting time for sure. Yeah, it's been it's been humbling. I thought the the piece that Joey wrote. Uh, sort of it was a very poignant farewell to will and i thought it was a mm-hmm. a genuinely classy bit of writing and i told joey as much i thought that was was lovely um and yes it's also been humbling for me seeing you know the congratulations coming in since since you know we announced this publicly and they're still coming in today and it surprises me that people care about you know a personnel change at a company um but right. that 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 speaks to the the passion and interest that exists within uh the ubuntu community um and, and maybe a bit bit wider as well so you know that's been that's been touching for me personally as well yeah i could imagine you know it feels like the desktop for those of us who use it on a daily basis it's like it's such an important part of our workflow and an important part of our uh, personalities if i can throw that out there um to hear such great personalities be involved in it um in many Mm. ways i know that's just around ubuntu but um it just feels like oh yeah this is going to have again such a rich future right so yeah um as as it has in the past as well so it feels like um all of us are in good hands maybe that's what it feels like i hope so i hope so i think people identify very strongly when you know desktop linux users are very proud of that fact not just the arch users by the way just generally (laughs) linux desktop (laughs) users are very proud uh to be desktop linux users regardless of you know the distribution that they're running um uh you know they're all, all a very passionate bunch uh, so yeah, this is this is an interesting time. I'm looking forward to it. On the lighter side of things, um, tell me a little bit about Wimpy's World. I <laughs> don't know that much about it, and I just ran into it. But it seems like a fun little playhouse for you. Uh, it's kind of a failed experiment. Um, so Wimpy'sWorld.com uh, exists, and that is really so. It's an aggregation of the stuff that I do. 
So from there, um, it syndicates things I do on Instagram and on Twitter and blogs and podcasts and code and, dare I say it, YouTube videos. <laughs> now, before anyone gets excited, there are precisely two YouTube videos and they're both awful. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really wanted to have a go at making some videos and I still really want to do it. However, the sad realization is I simply don't have the time. Fair enough. Fair enough. So the two videos that I made, I made during our uh, off season for Ubuntu podcast last year. So we have about three months off at the end of the year, you know, between seasons. And I used that to, to make a couple of videos. In fact, I made more than a couple. I made maybe half a dozen, but... Several of them never got edited to completion and uh, and the content was timely and it didn't get out there in time. So they, they never happened. I would I would love to do more videos. I just need 48 hour days to fit all of my, you know, <laughs> aspirations for, you know, projects in. <laughs> so, so you haven't figured out how to do that yet? <laughs> no, I, no. I'm Wait, still, when you do. <laughs> I'm still working on the flux capacitor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. The reason I brought it up was that... Um, it seems like you have so much fun with um, sort of Twitter and uh, sort of your ways of reaching out into the world. Um, I see a great many um, emojis and just some like good energy in general. And I found that to be just consistently really contagious. Um, and so I, <laughs> I hope that doesn't stop and I hope you keep finding avenues to send it out there. So it's, it's good that you chose the word contagious. I think uh, some people <laughs> would describe it as mildly irritating to excruciatingly <laughs> annoying. <laughs> but um, I've spent some time researching like how to get the message out on you know, new media and social networks, right? Because I, I I would still say I'm a novice at this and probably we all are because these are still emerging platforms and they're changing quite rapidly. But um, I found that, you know, there was the obvious thing, you know, never post a tweet without a picture, right? Because the picture will always make people stop and look. Mm -hmm. So then I started adapting that to, well, uh, I will always post a picture and oh, there's these emoji and they're colorful <laughs> and they stand out. So I started using emoji a little bit and certainly those, you know, anecdotally, those things perform better. Uh, and I, I haven't found out what peak emoji is yet, but you can pretty much punctuate every <laughs> sentence in your tweet with emoji uh, or use an emoji following every word that their emoji exists for. Um, but it is supposed to be fun. It is supposed to be engaging. It's supposed to be eye catching. So hopefully people stop and look. Um, but now, now I've just gone to, you know, a whole new level. So, um, <laughs> when I wrote the Ubuntu Mate release notes for 1910, uh, that is emoji central. Right, I, right. I, 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 <laughs> every sentence is, is, is littered with emoji. Uh, and there is one comment on that blog saying, oh, my goodness, please cut the, the emoji out. They're really cringy. But then there's 20 other comments immediately after it saying, oh, I love it. <laughs> so on balance, yeah. on balance, I'll stick with it. There's something so nice about like um, being able to throw 
a bit of comedy in the stuff that we do, right? Not take each yeah. other too seriously and have fun with it. Uh, and I suppose maybe it's an overcompensation that I'm really not trying to take myself too seriously. You know, I'm you know, quite a lighthearted individual, really. Um, and I do like having fun. I do like having a laugh. I'm, a, I, I'm you know... I do enjoy good fun uh, and, you know, emoji and silly gifts uh, help, help with that. But, but also when, when I started with Ubuntu Mate, I was trying to lead from the front and set a tone for the project that was humorous, smiley, welcoming, friendly, and you know, the reason that, you know, emoji or, you know, as they were called back in the day, smileys exist was to augment text to convey some kind of, you know, emotion so that people could grok the meaning of what you were saying and whether or not, you know, the thing you just written was a bit tongue in cheek or whether it was actually an insult, you know. <laughs> so I started using emoji there to make it clear what I was writing was said in jest, in fun, you know, uh, in an entertaining, friendly way to make it clear that that was the way that I was putting the message out there. And I did see people within the Ubuntu Mate community emulate that style because that's what I was doing and they kind of copied it. And it did create, help create, you know, a friendly community because everyone was communicating in this lighthearted way. So I was quite proud of that. And I continue to do it because it's rare that I'm grumpy about things. It does happen. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> you'll probably notice when I'm grumpy about something because of the absence of emoji and animated gifts. <laughs> now we know the secret's out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I will say actually that I typically loathe emoji. Um, and I ha so I haven't, I typically turn it off in any application I can. Um, and, but I'm waking up to sometimes how nice it is. And I would say some of the writing I've seen you throw out there is like, it, it's the lightheartedness of it. That's just feels like, oh yeah. Like, why are we so serious about everything? Even in like work and all that stuff, mm -hmm. right? It feels like we can all be pleasant to each other and have these little jokes and stuff yeah. in our normal communication. So it feels like, yeah, why not? Right. We're, I try and find fun in everything that I do. Um, because, well, why not? Yeah, right? exactly. You know, we're, we're not here for very long. You might as well enjoy it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway, the spinoff from my love of emoji and tweets is I'm working on an app indicator, which is a nice way to traverse and navigate the, the 1,900 emoji that are available and search through search through them oh, so my goodness. you'll find that project on <laughs> github it's not quite finished yet it's a resurrection of a, a project from a couple of years ago but um i find that extremely useful especially when you're writing you know a multi-page release note document and you need at least 270 <laughs> distinctive emoji to go into it so it's self-serving is it uh, well it, it totally was it was there, there, there was no good tool, so of course I ended up writing my own. <laughs> Will you consider designing your own at some point and submitting it? Uh, you know, it's there. It's on GitHub. Um, 
so yeah uh it's called um mate dash emoji 2 i think i can't remember if it's in my own github or the ubuntu mate one but it's somewhere i'll i'll yeah. i'll give you a link if anyone wants to find it goodness they can, they can help themselves <laughs> but i use it all the time i'm looking at its stupid smiley face in the indicators right now that's hilarious you might just convert me now <laughs> i haven't yet quite started but we'll see <laughs> Um, well, I would say probably with that, um, Wimpy, it's been such a treat to chat. Um, I feel like you and I can, can continue chatting maybe for a few hours, but I'm aware it's a little late with the time change for you. So, um, so I guess I just want to, um, ask you, I guess, uh, I had an ask for you. So, um, do you have, would you say that you have an ask or, a a something you want to put out to the community, some kind of uh, something to do you'd like them to do or try or investigate or even just think about? I do. And it kind of segues with our last conversation about positive energy. Hmm. So I have a request. And actually, most of the people that are listening to this are probably not in the, the, commu- the wider community that I am hoping to address with this. Something that I would like to see the wider desktop Linux community to stop doing is distribution A users throwing shade on distribution B users. We are not going to succeed whilst we are fighting and arguing with each other. We are not going to grow our user base pinching users from each other we are all in the same tribe we've all chosen desktop linux and it really doesn't matter whether it was gentoo or debian fedora or ubuntu or manjaro we've chosen desktop linux we should not be shitting on each other publicly when some when some project is celebrating an achievement, if you are the person that feels like the comment that you want to post is to tell the world how terrible, how awful you think that thing is, you are destroying everything we're seeking to achieve. You are also creating a black hole that sucks up all the joy and enthusiasm that contributors to these projects, you know, feed off in order to continue to be motivated to deliver on those projects. So stop doing that. If you are using Manjaro and you think it's the best thing ever, that's fantastic. You don't need to throw shade on the Fedora users, the Debian users, the Ubuntu users for the choices they have made around desktop Linux. Let's stop that and cut it out and focus on how as a broader community, we are more welcoming to those people who are maybe coming from Mac or Windows so that they don't feel like they've come into this toxic argument that they you know, are not welcome to join. So let's just be nice to one another, please. Let's all be excellent to one another. Yeah, very well said. And I will totally support that. Um, I feel like it's a conversation that needs to continue happening often. Um, And 
you know, every single distribution of Linux, every single desktop of Linux, every, everything that you can get excited about, um, everyone has different preferences. That's sort of how I've come to see it is we're all individuals and we all have different preferences and there's no downside to someone else having a different preference. It's a totally unique individual choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out we're all on the same team. Uh, we're just, some of us haven't quite realized that yet. Right. So I feel like that's a, that's a hugely important mental shift that feels like it should happen or needs to happen perhaps. Um, it, it, it's long overdue. Do you feel like that's a relatively new, uh, a relatively new experience in the community or is no i think it, it's been going on for a long time more so in the last 10 years i would say um but it's been going on a while but the thing is is that i've been seeing this for such a long time and i'm just really fatigued by it and you know there are days where maybe one of the projects that I'm working on is subject to somebody. And it can often only be one or two people saying just mean things. And what, what are they hoping to achieve by saying this? If, if are they actually hoping that I'll just say, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm just going, let's just stop doing, I'll just stop working on this thing. (laughs) You know, and some days, some days it really gets to you and you think, oh, have I really got the enthusiasm, the drive to, to put up with this nonsense again? And, you know, you don't get to tell people how they spend their time and what they get to work on. You know, people will work on the things that they are passionate about and that they're interested in and because those are things that you may not be passionate about or interested in you don't get to call them names because they don't have the same um, outlook as you that there's just there's so much of this around our broader community and you know i have seen over the years a number of people just step away because they are not prepared to put up with all of this mudslinging and name calling and it, and like I say, it just sucks all of the enthusiasm and joy out of what we do in our spare time, most of us. Um, and it just needs to stop. We, we look like a bunch of, you know, naughty school children arguing in the playground. And that's how it comes across. It looks immature and, and petty. And we just need to stop. Yeah, I see in there there's actually an opportunity really to, to turn it around the other way, which is, you know, if you're, if you're, instead of throwing shade out a certain way, try to see it as an opportunity to learn something different. Yes. You know, maybe there is a chance to connect and say, well, tell me why you're so passionate about this other thing that I haven't had that positive experience with. So maybe you're, you're missing something or maybe there's something you can learn along the way. You're, you are spot on there. If, if a project has decided to do a particular thing or to go in a particular direction, your first reaction should not be to criticize it. Your first reaction should be to understand it and understand the motivations behind why they chose to do a particular thing. You may think they've made a bad decision, 
but think about it and understand it first. And if you're going to engage in some sort of critical debate, and and I mean as in critique rather than critical, then come from a position of being informed. Don't just turn up and, dare I say it, you know, post the thumbs down or the shit emoji and move on because nobody that's that's that is just hurting people's feelings for no good reason. Yeah. It adds no value to the conversation. You know, if if you turn up in somebody else's community just to throw shade on what that community is doing, what is wrong with you as an individual that you feel that's how you should be conducting yourself? Because you wouldn't mm-hmm. go out for a meal in the evening and eat in the Chinese restaurant. And then as you leave, after you've finished eating, bang on the window of the Indian restaurant and yell at everyone eating in there and tell them they're all doing it wrong and they should, you know, um, put their knives and forks down and go next door to the Chinese restaurant. You know, that isn't mm-hmm. how we conduct ourselves in society. So <laughs> well, why on earth do we do it online? It just it just drives me mad. Yeah, when you compare it to that real-life example, it just seems so banal. Like, it just is so obvious that there's no use in it and it's just degradating. Bit of a downer, I'm sorry. Let's all be excellent to one another instead. I think it's an excellent ask. Um, and that's part of what I was hoping for is I'm hoping those asks are not easy. I'm hoping they are difficult, um, that we need to take time to wrap our heads around them and to try to change ourselves. So so thank you for putting thought into that and, and sharing it. I hope it uh, gets shared widely. Well, one can hope. I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about where you would like people to find you? Um, is there somewhere you want to send people if they want to get connected with you? Or Well, uh, there's this little-known website, wimpysworld.com. Don't actually go. Well, you know, you can go there. <laughs> uh, the advantage of wimpysworld.com is at the top, there's a whole row of icons. And those icons are where I am on Twitter, on Mastodon, on Telegram, on GitHub, and all the other places so if you if you want to connect with me in some way there is many places you will find there there are exactly 10 of those buttons so many places yeah shall i tell you as well they're you you encoded svgs in line in the html as well that's how you that's how you mess with tumblr <laughs> folks and get your own custom <laughs> custom banners in there nice <laughs> Um, I would say Twitter is a nice place to, to send people. Um, it's yeah. a lot of fun looking at your feed there and, uh, you're re- recirculating some, some pretty good, uh, feelings around the Linux community there. Wimpy, thank you so much for chatting. I've been looking forward to this, um, since we originally started having the idea really. Uh, and it feels like a real treat. So thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me on Brent. It's been brilliant. And the, uh, the eggs benedict were delicious thank you <laughs> next time i'll i'll come up with a different menu item <laughs> really appreciate it Wimpy. thank you thank you mm-hmm.